Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? Oh. I know that I haven't been doing this for long, um, but anybody who has ever heard me speak know that I can get quite animated and I can get moving, and it all depends on your participation. All right? And you're working for your salvation. I'm just playing. You're not working for your salvation. Let's try that again. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's a blessing to be able to be up here, to talk, to preach, to give God's word. I don't take it very lightly. Did you know? That if I don't say something interesting in the first 7 to 12 seconds, that your brain subconsciously just shuts whoever is speaking out. It's not any of your fault, you know, that you may fall asleep. It's not your fault. It's just I have to say something very interesting to get your attention within the first 7 to 12 or so seconds. So while I have your attention, let me say this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. The creator of the universe took the time to knit you together in your mother's womb to give you the gifts, the talents that you have, have predestined and given you what you need to sustain the creator, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the almighty God of the universe, heaven and earth, loves you died on a cross for you. So it is by no mistake that you are here today with a plan and a purpose. There is no mistake that you're in this place with these people today. It's not by mistake. See, God isn't finished with you yet. For some of us who are a little bit more seasoned, just know that you still have a purpose and a plan. God can still use you. You still have life. For those who may be a little bit new to this Christianity thing, who may be new or fresh to the walk of Jesus Christ, just know that your plan was predestined, that God knew and knows about you and his plan for you. So it's not mistake, it's not a mistake that you're here worshiping with a body of believers. That's why I get so excited when I get when I'm able to, to preach the word. Because not only am I amongst friends, I'm amongst family, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It is no mistake that you are in this place, in this house of the Lord. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Psalm 150 says, let all who has breath praise the Lord. Let all who have breath praise the Lord. I want you to put your hand in front of your face and then breathe on your hand. Look at that. You are a prime candidate to praise the Lord. Look at that. Let all who have breath 
praise the Lord. So good morning. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke 8. We're going to be in uh, Luke 8, 26, and we're going to cover 26 to 39. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. Your iPhones, your iPads, your eyeglasses, you can go ahead and pull those out and hear what the Lord has for us today in the Gospel of Luke. So if you are able to stand, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 8, verse 26, says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he had, though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chains and had been driven by the demon into a solitary place. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly to order them, to not order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs had saw what happened, they ran off and report this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he, so he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged him to go with them. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all the town how much Jesus had done for him. You may take a seat. There's so many nuggets you can pluck out of this passage, so many things that we can talk about out of this one passage. But before we step into that light, before we let the words of the page christen our heart, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed Heavenly Father, we come to you with our hearts wide open. 
We ask that your words flow from these pages into our hearts this morning. That you prepare a table for us. That the blessings will flow for us this morning. We pray that you open up our hearts, our souls, our minds to hear the words anew this morning. Lord, we lift up our concerns to you. We pray for those who couldn't be with us today. Lord, I pray that you set me aside. Make me transparent. So that it is you that is shown here today. May the words that I speak be in truth. That is not my words, but yours. Use me as your vessel this morning. Lord, we pray. And if there's somebody out here seeking for your love, that they may find it today. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit comes and dwells in this place, that it fill this room, that the atmosphere be sweet of the love that you have. Lord, we thank you for your words. Let them go to the meditation of our hearts and minds. And all God's children said, amen. So here we have an encounter with Jesus and this demon-possessed man on the other side of Galilee, of the Sea of Galilee. See, just earlier in this chapter in Luke, we see Jesus calming the storms. We see Jesus asking his disciples, where is your faith? They woke him up from a nap. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been waking up from a nap. Well, Jesus was napping, and the disciples were in fear. As a storm was raging in the Sea of Galilee, as the boat was filling with water, they had every cause to be afraid, and Jesus stepped out and said, where is your faith? See, Jesus is the only one who can provide for us, who can protect us. Where is your faith? In that encounter, Jesus showed that he ruled over all the elements. And even if you're going through a storm in your life, we must have faith in order to get through it. Because Jesus can control those things. Jesus is all-powerful. But now we're on the other side of the sea. We were on the other side of the sea where Jesus meets this man who has been shackled, naked, living amongst the tombs. See, this story is so important. It is also found in Matthew and in Mark. And both of the Gospels identifies this man as one who is unable to be controlled. No one could control him. No one could bind him. No one could... Subdue him. And in that pain and in that anguish, he retreated to a place of solitude among the dead and the tombs. And it was from those tombs where this man met Jesus, where Jesus got out of the boat onto dry land. Safety for some of the disciples being shooken up in sea. where the disciples encountered and a man encountered a power that would change their lives 
forever. As Jesus approached, the demon-possessed man shouted out, What do you want with us, Jesus of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment us. See, the demon acknowledged who Jesus was, the Son of the Most High God. Do you know him? Do you know him? Even the demons know who Jesus is. But the question here really comes to why would the demon beg? Well, in this case, the demons beg. I mean, they were so powerful that they caused the man who was shackled to break free, to make him lose his mind, to walk around naked. He lost everybody and everything. This demon was powerful. So why is this demon or these demons shuddering in the presence of Jesus, the son of the most high God? Well, I think it's because a power much greater than theirs was about to take control. See, when Jesus steps onto the scene, he changes things. He causes demons to shudder. And it was out of this that I think they went, they being the demons, went into survival mode. They wanted to survive. I beg you, do not torment us. And as Jesus was casting them out of the man, he asked the demon-possessed man, what is your name? Now, it's kind of odd, like during an exorcism, that Jesus is, hey, well, hey, hey, man, what, what is your name? It's kind of strange. But I think it sheds a little insight into something that we must look at a little bit closer. Because we have to remember that everything that Jesus did in the Bible, he did for a purpose. And that purpose is to teach us so that we may follow suit. See, in the days of Jesus, your name meant everything. Your name told people where you were from. It told uh, what authority you had, who you represented. And by saying your name, by saying your name, you were demanding respect for what you represented, for where you were from. In today's terms, it can be known as your identity. Your identity. Your name holds your identity. Well, I can say your name and with it may come what you do for a living. Where you might have grown up. And as I'm growing to learn in this church, your name may be insight to who you may be related to here. Your name is so much more than just you. And the same thing happened in this encounter. It may be that Jesus was sharing some insight about the demon by asking what his name was, or it could be that Jesus was checking to see who he represented. 
Where did he come from? Where did he place his identity in? And today Jesus may be asking you, what is your name? Where do you place your identity? Who do you represent? I dare to say that most of us in this place, when asked your identity, you would say it's placed in Jesus Christ. I'm a Jesus follower, Vaughn. I love Jesus. I want to challenge you to go just a little bit deeper. I want you to go just a little bit deeper into your soul and ask yourself, are you really? Are you really a follower of Jesus? Because though we may, may not be possessed, I think our answer may be the same as the possessed man. When asked his name, the man said his name was Legion. Legion. For we are many. There were many demons inside this man. Matter of fact, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of Mark gets a little bit deeper and straight to the point when it says that many people tried to help exercise the demons. Many demons have gone into this man. See, what had happened was this man would exercise his demons and it would leave an empty hole. The man wouldn't replace it with something sustainable. And it left room for other demons to come in. And he says, a legion, I am legion, a legion, a Roman legion, need I remind you, is about 6,000 men. So here's the point. The man would try to get rid of the demon, which left him empty, left him vulnerable. He has this empty space with this empty room, and without filling that room with something good, something sustainable, he was more susceptible to the evils that were around him. Let me put it this way. Some of us call ourselves Christian followers and get baptized, and at church we are Christians. But we created a God-shaped hole in our heart that we tend to find and try to fill with worldly pleasures. Are you really a Christian? We may come to church to clean out our closets and empty out our rooms just to come back to find that the next temptation, that next opportunity, that next chance to speak hate, that next, that next chance to cheat, to lie, to steal, to do something wrong, to do someone wrong, to mistreat your wife, to mistreat your husband, to kick the dog, to mistreat your children, to choose the world over God. And to be honest, we all fall prey to that. And we allow those demons to fill the God-sized hole in our souls. And as adults, we only do this to then lead the next generation on how to cope 
with a God-sized hole filled with worldly matters. And then we ask why we have a broken generation. See, we are no different from the demon-possessed man. Our demons may look a little different, but they are still demons nonetheless. They are still demons nonetheless. Their goal is to destroy you. Their goal is to devour you. And though we may not see a physical manifestation of somebody going crazy and say, that man's demon-possessed or that woman's demon-possessed, what demons are you trying to hide? Where is your identity? And just as the demon-possessed man encountered Jesus, the most powerful, we too must allow Jesus, the most powerful, to change our identity, to fill the void that only he can. He can take your name of somebody who used to be and tell you you are a child of God. He has the ability to shift who you are, to change your name. The God that changed Abram, Abraham, to Saul, to Paul. Our God is in the name-changing business because our identity doesn't have to be in our demons. Our identity can be in the most high God. Well, pastor, it's just not that simple. It's just not that simple. What you're saying today is baloney. It's, it's not that simple. The demons I have, you don't even want to know. God can't handle them. It is that simple. Just to give over to God what you can't handle yourself. See, whenever we are faced with powers that are beyond us, we have to look for something that's more powerful than what we are facing. And most of the time we settle with worldly things. When in reality, we need to settle for God who can change the entire atmosphere, who can change the entire situation. We have to allow Jesus to infiltrate and to penetrate our lives so that we seek him and his will first. But catch me when I say this. Because it is simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. There are some things that we are called to do. We must have and we must acknowledge our own pride and our own selfishness in the situations and lay them at the feet of Jesus. We have to understand that God is the supreme power in our lives and we cannot control everything. We have to let go and allow God to work in and through us. Giving up control is giving up control and power isn't an easy thing to do. It isn't. We hold on to it. We try to manipulate lives. We try to schedule things out. And what we end up doing is putting God in a box, and we only talk to God box whenever it's Sunday or Wednesday, but in reality, we need to allow God to infiltrate and pour out into everything that we do.
It's what we're called to do. It's what the scriptures remind us to do. And it's ultimately what God wants us to do. We must surrender everything we are, who we are, to him. We have to die to ourselves to, so that Christ may be lifted up. So I Paul so to die is to gain. To die is to gain. What is your name? What is your name? Well, we have two responses. Both can be clearly seen in this passage. As Jesus is casting out the demons into the pigs in which they run down the embankment and drown in the sea, that encounter had not only the effect on the man who was demon-possessed, but it had an effect on the people that were supposed to watch the pigs. The people who were supposed to keep watch over the pigs. And when they saw this, they ran and told everyone what was going on. In a panic, they were scouring around. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is happening. I got to go tell somebody in hopes to eliminate the person responsible for the loss of income they had from their dying pigs. See, pigs were property. Pigs was a source of funds. And now that the pigs are dead, your funds are gone. And we tend to play the blame game. So the people, they, they, they got together. And they, the crowd got together and they went to see what was going on. And when the crowd got to the place, they were shocked. They were shocked. See, the man that was uncontrollable, breaking every bond, running around naked, out of his mind, cutting himself, hurting himself, screaming obscene things, isolated himself was clothed and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. I would dare to say the man had a gospel peace that passes all understanding, which was what Jesus would later challenge the man to tell his story. See, the people in fear, they tell Jesus to leave. The son of God, the creator, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Get out of here, Jesus. I don't know what you just did, but get out of here. We're afraid. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gets in his boat and he leaves. See, Jesus will never force himself on us or force us to love him. See, there he stands knocking at the door. He's knocking and waiting patiently, waiting for you to open that door so he can change your identity, to ask you, what's your name? Where is the hurt? How can I help? So he can change it, flip it to the glory of God. See, the people in the town valued their possessions more than they valued the man that was possessed. 
God saves. They, the, they found their pigs more important than a miracle that happened right in front of their eyes. They were shut off to the idea that through Jesus, this man had made a miraculous change. Shut off. Don't miss the miracles. Don't miss the miracles that's around you. So we too have an option. We can allow the weight of the world to continue to bear down on us and uncertainty of life come on us and stress and anxiety and discomfort so much so that whenever you come to places like this, we put on a facade in the front and we smile like everything is okay, but inside we're hurting, we're crying, nobody understands our pain, who can I talk to? And we smile with our chin up like everything is okay. Or we can allow Jesus to change our name, to take our burdens, to take our anxieties, to take our discomforts, and sit at the feet of Jesus. It is never forced, it's only love. Catch that, it's never forced, it's only love. And it's by grace that this man met Jesus on the shore, I'm assuming didn't, Jesus didn't get very far, and he encountered Jesus. It's never forced. There's only love. And it's Jesus that is knocking at your heart. And he's wanting to ask you, what is your name? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, it is you that knocks on the doors of our hearts, and it's you that we seek. We ask now that you give us the ability to search our hearts, to dig deep into our empty spaces and to fill them with you. It is only you that can fill this void. It's only you that can provide. It's only you that can protect us. So today we ask that you meet us in the shores of our lives to exercise the demons in our lives so that we can live for you and only you. Lord, we ask that you remove all things that's holding us back, that's binding us, that's causing us to not make a decision to love you with our whole hearts. And Lord, we ask that we have a name change, that you lay it on our hearts to know that we are a beloved child of God, protected from past, present, and future, Lord. Be with us today. It's in your name that we pray these things. All God's children said, amen. chapter went through a storm. He got on a boat to cross a sea, was in a storm 
to meet this guy where he was at. He took the step forward to knock. And today, Jesus may be knocking on your door saying, hey, would you clean out your closet? Make some space for me. I want to change your name. I want to change who you are. That's you, as we sing, I'll be standing right here. If you have some things that you want to give away, unburden yourself, I'm here to pray with you. If you love Fab and want to become a member, you can come and hang out. My office is downstairs. But I'm here to pray with you as well. God is knocking. We have to do our part and open up the door. Amen.
the end of the chapter, they ask Jesus to leave. And he gets into his boat, and as he's getting into his boat, the man who just hadn't been recently healed by Jesus begs him, Master, Master, let me come with you. Jesus tells the man to go, go home and tell the people what the Lord has done for you. So today I charge you to go and tell. Go to your places of residence, go to your jobs and tell what the Lord has done for you. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, we just ask that as you fill these people up, they go out these walls and be ambassadors for you, Lord, that they will go and tell the gospel message of how you saved them, how you changed their name, how you transformed them, that they may impact a world that is hurting, a world that is demon-stricken. Empower us, implore us to go and tell. All God's people said, amen.